0: we're continuing on our series on all things new. I'm excited about that. As I've talked with you about the last couple Sundays, we're talking this Sunday that Jesus is with us. Um, the last few Sundays, I've mentioned that we want to be pointing to Scripture and to Jesus every single Sunday. And this this here at the end of the Gospels really allows us to do that, so I'm excited about that. But I read that, you know, we're up against a challenge in today's uh, churches. And I read in an article this week that, um, Churches are challenged in many ways. Here was an article where they talked about that uh, um, churches oftentimes are having a hard time uh, pointing their people to, to Jesus and to the Bible. Here's what one churchgoer said, not from ZPC, but from another church. At church, we're encouraged to be nice, to be kind, and have a positive attitude. How is that different from everybody else? What does it have to do with the Bible or God? Here's what Christian leader Michael Horton says along those same lines. He said, many people may not understand the things of the Spirit of God, but many understand the things of the world, and they can tell that the church and the world are no longer distinguishable. He goes on to say, we must recover Scripture. The church has a plumb line, which is Scripture, that transcends time and place, and we can always return to it in order to determine whether we are being faithful in our moment. So one of our goals here at ZPC is to keep turning back again and again to Scripture that points us to Jesus, and He is the one that we will follow. So in saying that, we're going to open up Scripture again today. Today's passage is from John 21, verses 1 through 14. It's the last chapter of the Gospel of John. Um, John 21, uh, verses 1 through 14. Here are some of you opening your Bibles or the Bibles underneath you. It's going to be on the screens as well. Listen to God's word. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for this word, that it is the true word of God. We ask that you help us to understand it through your Holy Spirit. And then God, not only to understand it, but to apply it to our lives and to live it out. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we did last week, I had some notes printed inside your bulletin about what we're going to be talking about, so you can follow those along, or you can take them home if you want, or you don't have to look to to them at all if you don't, but they're on the left hand on the side where it says notes and apply, and these are some of the highlights we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes. It says there, after the resurrection and before Jesus ascends to heaven, he appears here to the gathered disciples for the third time. In John's gospel, and that's important the third time. John records this miracle as an eyewitness with great detail, he's up close and personal to what happened. We want to ask the question: why are the disciples fishing again and away from Jerusalem where they were just recently, probably just days ago? And how does Jesus use fishing to reach them? And then Jesus' words in verse 13, we'll get to that later, sound really familiar. So what impact do they have? And then as we apply this to ourselves and we look back at the scripture, we'll ask these questions. Where have you seen seen Jesus in your life? And remember every detail as we look in the scripture. Then where in our lives are we recognizing Jesus right now? Where in our lives are we called to live intimately in Jesus' presence as the disciples were? What is Jesus giving to you as he gave uh, the disciples the bread and the fish? And then what is the impact of that? And then finally, Where can we as individuals and as a church reconnect intimately with Jesus? Well, there's a danger in asking all these questions is that we might walk away with not answering all of them or have too much information. So if there's one thing that I'd love for us to all walk away with is to answer this question by the end of the time. Where can we as individuals and as a church reconnect intimately with Jesus Well, let's look at how the disciples did it then and how we do it today. So, we're going to go back to that first part, the fact that this is a story with great detail told by John. And he begins by listing the fact that seven of the disciples, so seven of the 11 remaining disciples, are gathered together in verse 1, and he talks about in verse 2. Then he says, it happened this way, and he begins telling a story. It sounds like someone, you know, giving their version of account of events on CNN or another news station, you know, he's telling the story and he tells it with a lot of passion if we could actually hear it in his voice. He's kind of saying, "Here's how it happened. Here's where I was standing, and then this happened, and then there's this detail as well." I think it's important to notice that uh, as we hear eyewitness accounts on the news and other places, that often the eyewitness accounts are slightly different because they're from different vantage points. And as we look at the Gospels, and over the last couple of weeks we've looked at both Luke and John, we see that from their vantage points there's some slight differences as well. I think that actually adds to the validity of the Scripture to show us that it is really true and that we're seeing the different eyewitnesses' accounts which come together from the different gospel um, writers. Well, back to John. He was an eyewitness account. He gives great detail. He says, first of all, there were seven of them gathered there at the Sea of Tiberias, and we also know that as the Sea of Galilee. Then he said, Peter said that he was going fishing and that they all joined them. They caught nothing that night. Now, there was a man on shore very early the next morning. It says, verse 4, and it's important, I think, that it's early in the morning. You talk about they fished at night, and it's early in the morning, probably at dawn. John says that they were about 100 yards offshore. So if you think about that, how far it was, probably hard to see who this person was on shore. And then he gives more detail. He says, after a conversation with Jesus, they figured out who it was. Peter, when recognizing Jesus, puts on his outer garment and jumps in to swim, another detail, um, to go into shore to see Jesus. And that there were 153 large fish, not just fish, not just a bunch of fish, 153 large fish, that were brought in, in verse 11, and that the net did not break. John gives great detail, and a lot of scholars have different reasons, but I think the main reason is this. Why does John include such great detail? And why does he tell us in the last verse that this is the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples? John wants us to truly know and believe that Jesus is alive. And as we read last week in John 20, verse 31... He says, these miracles are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's really important to John, and it should be important to us, that he believes with all of his heart, and he wants to tell us again and again that Jesus is truly alive, that he's risen from the dead, and this is the most important thing that he wants to leave us with. And I think we want to make sure that we realize that in the great detail that John goes in in this eyewitness account. This story really provides an exclamation point on his gospel, telling us that Jesus wants relationship with his disciples, that he is truly alive, risen from the dead. Okay, well, back to the story. At first part in the story, when they're offshore still, um, the disciples don't recognize Jesus. They're too far away. They can't quite tell who he is. And they may be disappointed with the night catching not any fish at all. But Jesus says, friends, haven't you caught any fish? And when they say no, he tells them, cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Well, when they do, they bring in a miraculous catch of fish. And it harkens back to the story in Luke as well, where Jesus had allowed his disciples to bring in a very large catch of fish. When John sees this, he says, it is the Lord, and then Peter realizes too that it's the Lord, and so he did what he had done once before when he got, out on the, he got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Instead, this time, he puts on his outer garment so he can be more presentable, and he jumps in the water to swim to shore to be with Jesus. We see that the disciples recognize Jesus, and so the question for us is, when do you recognize Jesus? When do you recognize Jesus in your life? And what is your response? Well, we see the disciples respond to it, John speaks up and he said, it is the Lord. And then Peter gets out of the boat and jumps in the water to swim to Jesus. Uh, so they have great responses when they realize who it is. There's a Christian author named John Ortberg and a friend of mine reminded me of this book just about a month ago. He wrote this book called, um, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Now, that story by, that book by Orberg is about the story when uh, Jesus was walking on the water and Peter got out to walk with him and walk to him. So, but many parts of this book and that story also relate to this story in John as well. Here's what John Orberg says about uh, recognizing and seeing Jesus. He says, Put yourself in Peter's position, the Lord is passing by. He's inviting you to go on the adventure of your life, but at the same time, you're scared to death. What would you choose, the water or the boat? The boat is safe, secure, and comfortable. On the other hand, the water is rough and the waves are high. The wind is strong. There's a storm out there. Do we recognize Jesus when we're in our storms as well? Do we look for Jesus when the times in our life are very normal? For many of us, um, I would say for me too, Jesus is sometimes hard to recognize as he was at first for the disciples. But there are many ways where we can go and look for Jesus in our lives and I believe that he's calling us to do that. Um, We can look for Jesus in the places where you see God in your life. So I would encourage you, if you see God in creation, go for a hike in nature. If you see God in music, Find places to play music that inspires you. If you find God and see Jesus when you have the opportunity to serve or to work with your hands, find places to serve. Find places to work with your hands. Find places to work with children. You'll see Jesus there. If you see Jesus when you study his word and study other Christian works, do that. Spend time with that. If you see Jesus when you pray intimately, spend time this week praying praying intimately, getting on your knees before God and seek him. And when you seek him, you will find him. You will recognize Jesus because he is here in our midst. Well, the next question we're going to talk about is why are the disciples fishing again and away from Jerusalem? And then how does Jesus use fishing to reach them? Jesus uses fishing because the disciples no fishing. And he uses it to show himself with that large catch of fish. And then he reminds them, and we don't, he doesn't say this here, but I believe it to be true, to be fishers of men as he calls them again um, into his presence. But why are the, defi- the disciples fishing right now? You know, shouldn't they be in Jerusalem? It's, it's only days, maybe a couple of weeks since the resurrection. And Jerusalem's pretty far away, but there's at least seven of the guys who are now back up at the Sea of Galilee And they're fishing. Well, we had some glimpse of that in John 16 earlier. um, Jesus said this You will believe at last, but a time is coming when you will be scattered, each to his own home. So apparently, the disciples who grew up or lived around Galilee have gone back home. They've gone back to do what they know to do. They're fishermen, so they go back to fish. But we see that is not their ultimate destination or their ultimate call to fish. There is more to life. And here's back a little bit to John Orberg again in his book. He says this, I believe there is something, someone inside of us who tells us there is more to life than sitting in the boat. You were made for more than merely avoiding failure. There's something inside that wants you to leave the comfort zone of routine existence and abandon yourself to the high adventure of following God. I believe that Jesus is reconnecting with the disciples here at the Sea of Galilee. He goes to where they are to call them back into relationship with him and to help them to answer their call to be fishers of men. Now, it may be a time that's very confusing uh, for the disciples. They may be a little disoriented. They've been through a lot. You know, they've been following Jesus for three years, and now he... um, He was killed, and he rose from the dead, and they've seen him a couple of times, but they're waiting. He's told them to wait. They're not sure what they're waiting for, so it can be disorienting and confusing. I know at times at CPC, it's been confusing and disorienting as well. I thought of it this week that it's sort of like we've been on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride at Disney World, and we just got off the ride, and we're a little dizzy. We're a little confused. We're a little disoriented. And I don't know about you, but I, like to, I used to like spinning rides when I was a kid. I don't like those rides anymore. <laughs> they make me feel sick. And so enough of the spinning, right? And yet we know we're, we're always going to have change. And as Dave mentioned this morning, we're looking forward to our next change, which is the calling of a senior pastor. But in the midst of change, we need to be called back again to reconnect and to go back again to where Jesus has first called us into relationship with him and to answer his call. So in this story, Jesus is restoring relationship with his disciples by going to them and reminding them that they're not just fishermen. They are fishers of men. So when these seven friends arrive on shore, they see another detail that John includes. He has, Jesus has a fire burning, it says, with coals on it, And with the fish on it and some bread. And he invites them to bring some of their own fish and add to it and to come close and have breakfast. Now, I think it's important the words that John uses here in verse 13. Because Jesus' words in verse 13 sound very familiar. And we want to look at what are the impact that those words have. In verse 13, it says, Jesus came. He took the bread. He gave it to them. And then he did the same with the fish. Well, if we look back to John 6, verse 11, here's what he said. This is at the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And listen for the similarity. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those seated, and did the same with the fish. He uses a lot of the same words. And at the Last Supper, this is out of Luke 22, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. Well, at the Last Supper, which was only days or weeks before this meal on the beach with his disciples, Jesus compared um, the bread uh, to his body and the cup to his blood, and they saw how he was giving his life for them. So imagine what it would have been like for now, days later, in a different location, back at the Sea of Galilee, a place where they all know well, where he comes to them again, And he shows them again in a similar way. He brings bread and fish, and he breaks that bread and serves the fish to them. I would think that the disciples are realizing that he's calling them back to him. He's calling them close to him. Now, these disciples were regular men like us, and probably they went back to fish because it's what they knew. It's what they knew how to do. And And also, they needed something to eat. They needed uh, uh, work to do, and they needed something to eat while Jesus had told them to wait for more instructions. In the same way, we are ordinary, um, regular people. We need to go to jobs to earn a living. Um, We do what we know how to do. And that encourages me because I know that God can use me too, Um, an ordinary guy, a guy who doesn't know how to fix things very well on my lawnmower or my car or around my house. Um, I'm a little more on the introvert side than the extrovert side, and I worry uh, probably every week how I'm going to put my kids through college. But God can use each of us as ordinary people calling us to him in the same way that he called the disciples again and reconnected to them and said, you are my people, and uh, I am with you, and I'm calling you back to me. In John 15, Jesus said, he called the disciples them and he said, stay connected to me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And in the same way, he's calling disciples to be with him and be present with him. So let's look at briefly at a couple of these questions, how we might apply this to our lives. First question is, where have you seen Jesus and remember every detail? We've seen lots of details in this passage in John 21. One of the things I thought about in asking this question and looking at this story was the old song called Have You Seen Jesus, My Lord? Now, this song was a popular song at at great banquets if you've ever been to a great banquet. And I'd like to look at the first or part of the lyrics of that song. They say this, Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look. Open your eyes. He'll show it to you. He'll show himself to you. And so when the disciples when they listen to his voice from the shore and they throw their nets on the other side of the boat and they bring in the big haul of fish, they get to see Jesus. When are times when we too can listen to his voice? Let's listen for his voice even this week. And when we do, when we look close enough, we can see Jesus and we can remember every detail. Let's think back in our lives. You know, Can you say in your life, as John did in this passage, Remember when I saw God do this? You know, remember when when God did this incredible thing in my life, in my family, or in my job? I remember that story. And remembering that story, what Jesus did, gives me faith to go forward to the next story of where I'm going to see Jesus again. Where in our lives are we recognizing Jesus right now? And, And we see where Peter and John recognize Jesus. I tell you what, I'm seeing Jesus in some of you. As some of many of our church leaders are stepping up and and leading, as we see people um, like Joy and Josh leading in our youth ministry, Um, our pastor nominating committee, I've heard from a couple of them, even outside of Dave, they're really excited and they're really engaged. And I'm seeing Jesus in you as you are stepping up and being the church, and I appreciate that very much. On Thursday, I was working on this message and I was kind of getting to a spot where I was kind of dry. And I didn't know what else, what else to say or what else to write. So I took a moment and I pulled up, um, uh, opened up some worship songs on my computer to just play worship songs at random. The first song that came up was this song. And these were the first lyrics that came up on my screen. Here's what it said. I'm finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, It's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say, Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. It's a song called Word of God Speak by Mercy Mercy Me, and I, I saw in that moment that God was speaking to me, that it's more about him and not about me. And I want to encourage you this week to keep looking for Jesus and ask this question, the next question, where in our lives are we called to live intimately in Jesus' presence? Where are we called to live intimately in Jesus' presence? Are you being called to live intimately with Jesus in your vocation, in relationships with family or friends? Are you being called to walk towards an area of confrontation, which is tough, instead of walking away from it? Are you being called to walk out of an area of failure in t- of your life, an area that's been a failure, into Jesus' arms of love? Is he calling you there? That can be a great place to go. Is he calling you out of an area of success into a deeper relationship with him that may be for you? And then finally, two more questions. What is Jesus giving to you and what is the impact? We see that Jesus gives to the disciples the meal on the beach and he gives of himself. How is he giving of himself to you? Think about that this week. What is Jesus giving to you? And then what can you do with it? And finally, where can we as individuals and a church reconnect intimately with Jesus? You know, we say we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And we say, well, we say that all the time, have a personal relationship with Jesus. So I wanted to think, instead, how can you go deeper than that? How can I go deeper than that, where I can reconnect in an intimate way in a close way with Jesus. Some of the things I do is to find a quiet place to pray. Um, If I've been praying by sitting in a chair all week, sometimes I'll get down on my knees that day and pray. Um, I find sometimes I come into the church and go into the chapel and pray. Um, Look for ways, what works for you, to reconnect to Jesus, um, to listen for his voice, to cast your nets out so that you can meet him. And then when you meet him, Um, Ask him what it is that he wants you to do and to be. Let's pray. We thank you, God, that you are calling us to connect closely with you. Lord, and as with the disciples, um, you are calling us again to you to reconnect, and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to hear your voice, to see your presence, to recognize you in our lives, and when we do, to draw close to you and to, and, and to see you wherever you are. God, we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.